Let's pray and open our hearts so that he can get our attention today. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We just pray today that our hearts would be open to hear what your Holy Spirit has to say to us. God, we know that we need more than a preacher alone to communicate the word to us, but we need your Holy Spirit to transform us, and that's what we depend on today. In Jesus' name, somebody say a loud and rowdy amen. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Good job, y'all. You guys need to take some cues over here. They said a loud and rowdy amen. Well, hey, we're starting a brand new series that we are calling Make Room. You know, the Christmas season is upon us. In fact, we were at the mall uh, this week, you know, hanging out with Ellie. And man, people are all over the place shopping already. And in fact, if you're not already doing your shopping or the person in your family who's designated to do all the shopping, it's you're going to be behind the ace ball. So you better get on it. But I love the music, the festivities. I love the joyful faces and, and all the fun. Uh, I even love the gear that comes along with Christmas. As a matter of fact, um, I don't know, it was about a week and a half ago now, we put Christmas up and Ellie already had me in a Santa's hat. And I know, you know, you guys know how much I hate that and uh, was resisting that. And, um, but you know, it's interesting as much uh, joy that we can find surrounding the holiday season. How many of you know when we look around in our world and sometimes when I look around at the world of those who I know and love, I can't help but notice that there is also strife and struggle. And when I think about it, um, I can easily be distracted um, with the things that are going on in my friends' lives and even in my own struggles and in the world that I can be easily distracted and miss out and the Christ of Christmas can be overshadowed way too easy. And so... I can easily find that there's no room in my life for Christ. Have you ever been there before? And so we're calling this series Make Room uh, because we know that Scripture invites us to make room for Christ, to slow down in the season, to clear the clutter of life and make sure that he is still the Lord and Savior of our world. How many, how many know that's a good idea during this season? So it brings me to our text today. We're going to be taking a look at Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be just looking at one scripture. It's found in verse number six. You know, when uh, this book was written, it's interesting that humanity faced a lot of political strife during this time. There was a lot of different kings that were, that were leading the, the divided kingdom of Israel. They were on spiritual decline, and truthfully, not much has changed since then. You know, the people at the time, they were divided, they were unfaithful to God, and they lacked a lot of wisdom that God had freely handed over to them. You know, God desperately wanted to be the people's king, but the people didn't want God to be their king. So they requested a different kind of a king. And how many know they got what they asked for? They, there were some good kings in there and throughout history, biblical history, but how many know there was a lot of terrible kings throughout biblical history and God just gave them what they want. And these kings led them into chaos, which brings us to chapter nine in our text today. 
You know, Isaiah is a prophet. In other words, he spoke on behalf of God. God would speak to him and he would share something with the people. And so in chapter nine, uh, God speaks to the prophet Isaiah and he says something to the people of the day. And he tells them in the beginnings of chapter nine, he says, I want you to know that a king is gonna be emerging in the future. And I want you to know that in the midst of your dark days, I'm gonna bring somebody, a great king that's gonna have light and you are gonna once again experience great joy. And I could almost hear the people asking Isaiah or asking God, God, how do you plan on doing that? Have you looked around at our world? Have you seen the darkness and have you ever asked a question like that to God? God, have you looked around the world lately? Are you going to do something about it? I mean, how in the world are you going to turn this situation around? I have. But here's God's response to them in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It starts off like this. Well, for a child is born to us, a son has been given to us. God is telling the people, in the midst of your darkness, their days were really dark, in the midst of your dark days, I'm gonna bring you the joy of birth. How many know that new babies bring a lot of joy around the home? And God is kind of giving them this picture that there's gonna be a new baby, the joy of a new baby. And he says this, he says, this baby is not gonna be any baby, but this, in fact, is going to be a son that's given to us. And we know that these are the, the words of God. And Isaiah, the prophet, always made sure that people knew that these were the words of God. And a son is going to be given to us. And Isaiah is foretelling the birth of Christ, a future day where God is going to give us a new kind of a king. Scripture continues, and it says this. It says, the government will rest on his shoulders you know, in these times, it was said that the governing powers rested on the shoulders of the kings. And Isaiah was telling them that this son is going to grow up, this child is going to grow up, and he's going to be a king to you, a, a great king, a king different from any other type of king you have seen before. And it's so interesting also to know that Good kings during these times were often called messiahs. They were often called saviors. And these kings would come on the scene and they would liberate the people from oppression. How many of you know that kind of sounds exactly like the thing that King Jesus did when he came? Yeah. And he continues in this verse and he gives them some clues as to the type of character that this this king would have, and he wanted to make sure that they knew that when you see somebody who is this way, this is the type of king, this is the son, this is the child that I was speaking of. And so here is some clues to the type of character this king would have. And it says this, and he, Jesus, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Today we're talking about making room for the wonderful counselor. Here's what I found fascinating, that it's really obvious that when you take a look at the way the kings governed their world, they lacked a lot of wisdom. How many know what I'm saying? When you take a look at our world today and, and we look at the governing systems of different countries all over the world, how many know that 
We lack a lot of wisdom. Would you say amen to that? And so God breaks into human history and he brings the very thing that we need, the very thing that humanity is struggling with, a lack of wisdom, and he brings us a wonderful counselor. How many think that's pretty awesome of him? Anybody think about their life and think about the world around them and recognize that we need a wonderful counselor? Do you think that's true? I'm reminded of a couple who was looking for some wonderful counsel and they went to marriage counseling and the husband didn't really want to go. The wife had been, you know, really pushing him for quite a while. We, we need to go to counseling and, and he was stubborn, but he finally gave in, you know, amen to this guy. He finally gave in his stubborn self. And so they find themselves in counseling. And how many, you know, the sessions are only an hour long and, and the wife started out. And so, and and I'm not saying anything in particular about the female gender or anything at all. I'm just saying that in this particular instance, in this story, this, this wife happened to take up nearly the entire hour of the session. Can you believe it? And she begins to tell the counselor and complains to him that he never notices me and he never thanks me and he never compliments me. And she's explaining to him how lonely she feels and she's unloved and she wonders if she's ever going to be happy in this marriage again. And so the counselor gets up out of his seat and, and walks around his desk and kneels right in front of this woman and he grabs the arms of her chair and he looks at her square in the eye and he tells her this. He says, listen to me, you are the most kind, caring, compassionate, beautiful woman that I have ever seen. You have incredible self-worth. The husband gets up and turns to the man who this husband is now like just a bit dumbfounded. He's like, wait a minute. This counselor is like speaking into the soul and the, the heart of my wife in, in a way that only I'm supposed to do. And the counselor tells the husband, did you see what I did? She needs this every week. 52 weeks out of the year, every year, you've got to be consistent. Can you make sure this happens? And the husband looks at the counselor and says, I'm not sure. Would, would two days a week work? Because um, here's what I'm thinking. I can drop her off to you on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I play <laughs> golf on Friday. We're talking about the wonderful counselor today. Here's what Isaiah is saying in our text I believe Isaiah is giving us a clue on who to look for, the type of character, the, the type of person that, that we ought to look for. And, and when we find him, Isaiah is saying, this in fact is going to be the son that God was talking about. In your notes, uh, I believe that he's saying, look for somebody wonderful. The word wonderful is a curious word. In fact, it actually, it means marvelous. It's one of those big grand words. It means exceptional and, and breathtaking. And, and, and how wonderful and exceptional and breathtaking is he? Well, in your notes, he's wonderful in how he creates. That's, that's, how, that's how we know what a, what a wonderful God is. We just pause and, and take a look around at his creation. And, and it's interesting to me that, that Isaiah, that God chose to use a word like wonderful because I can only only imagine that, that it ignited uh, images in their mind of God's creation and how, how grand it is and all of the moments that they 
They read the writings of Moses and, and understood the creation story about how God created the stars and the sky and, and the sun and the moon. And, you know, it's, it's when I think about this word wonderful, um, I think about the moments that I have stood under starry nights and just how vast and how huge and how beautiful the sky is as it kind of just drapes over me with God's glory just blinking and glaring all over the place. It reminds me of how big God is and how small I, I am. And, and I can't help but to think how, how wonderful and exceptional and how breathtaking God is. You know, Psalms 95 says this. It says that, that God holds the earth in his hands. Have you ever thought about that before? You know, I was doing a little research this week and you know, when you think about Mount Everest, the highest peak of the world, only a few people in all the world throughout all of human history are ever going to get to the top of that peak and see the type of view that it has to offer and, and discover the beauty and the, the, I would say, awful magnificent. I mean, it, can you imagine just climbing up the side of this mountain, how scary and vast and big and huge and amazing and how beautiful it is? And then you think about how deep the deepest parts of the ocean is, only a few people will ever go down into the deepest parts of the ocean. And God says, as big as all of that is, and as beautiful as all of it is, I want you to know that I actually just hold it in the palm of my hand. It's just tiny. It's small for me. It's easy for me. That's how wonderful our God is. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you looked up at wonder, in wonder at our God? When's the last time you've done that? And I ask this because it's amazing to me when, when I pause and I take a look at the beauty of God. For me, it could be in a little chapel in Bella Vista. You know, during Thanksgiving, um, our family visited the Mildred B. Cooper Memorial Chapel. And we're going to throw a picture of it up on the screen. It's in Bella Vista. And this chapel is surrounded. You can't really see it in the picture, but it's surrounded by mountains and, and gigantic trees. In fact, there's a, a beautiful small little lake right off of the side of the chapel. It's glass walls everywhere. And so you could, you could see nature everywhere you look in this little chapel. And if you notice the structure of the chapel, all of the beams in the chapel, including the doors and the door frame, they, they all kind of point up like this. And they, they do that on purpose to point up to the glory of God. And we couldn't help, our family couldn't help, but gather in that place and be in awe of God and smile and of course have an incredible photo shoot because that's what you do in beautiful places. And, and the smiles were authentic. We didn't have to say one, two, three, smile. I mean, we were just overwhelmed by the beauty and, and we, we were in there and I don't know who started it. We started singing an old song from back in the day called Great Is He and, and the family all started singing and everybody kind of did their part and Pastor Papa was like, some of you guys need a little work, but you know, it's, it's not so bad. But it was such a, a beautiful time. And, and the reason why I ask you, what do you see when you look up at our wonderful God? Because when we pause and we slow down, we were just overwhelmed by his kindness and overwhelmed by his goodness. And, and it put a song in our heart and, and we worshiped. And, um, you know, I don't know what, what your moments are, but I, I want to just challenge you to find a little chapel in the hill somewhere and just get along with God and, and just be in amazement at, at his wonderful 
counsel because he's a good God. You know, you don't have to be at a chapel in the hill. You know, sometimes I just go right over here to good old Joe Pool Lake. You go on the Cedar Hill side. It's beautiful over there out of the park. And you could just pause on the shore of the lake and just, and just talk to the Lord and think about him. And, and in fact, you don't even need to go anywhere. Sometimes in the mornings, I love to get up early with my mushroom coffee and, and I light a candle and get my Bible and my journal and throw on my, 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 my wife calls it sleepy music, but I throw on some little piano music in the background and I just sit and I think about the wonderful counselor. Have you ever thought about how it impacts your soul when you do that? And sometimes I ask myself, Sean, you love how time with the Lord like that, just considering how wonderful it is, you love how it impacts your soul. Why don't you do it more often? (laughs) And that's the question I have for all of us today. If it impacts our soul so greatly, why don't we do it more? Today we're talking about the wonderful counselor. Somebody say a wonderful counselor. I say he's saying a king is coming, and I, and I want you to make sure to not miss him when he comes, and I want you to know that he is wonderful. Uh, in your notes also, scripture says, I want you to also look for somebody who's wise. Not only is he wonderful, but he's a wonderful counselor. He's wonderful in his wisdom. You know, receiving counsel actually requires us to block out our schedule, to sit our little hiney down, and listen. <laughs> How many of you know that's tough? And we can't receive counsel when we're in go, go, go. That's not how receiving counsel works. It requires us to slow down and sit. And here's the, here's the devastating thing. When we don't slow down and sit and listen to his counsel, we pass him right on by. You know, I love to ride bikes, and um, I especially love to ride road bikes, and there's something called a peloton when you ride a road bike, and it happens when a large group of people are all riding together. When you're in a large group or a peloton, peloton, everything is easier, so... Getting through a headwind is easier. You actually move faster in the peloton because you've got great wind resistance and that whole entire group is really arrow in the wind. And you can go further, faster with way less effort from your legs. And I find when I first started riding in these so-called pelotons, the very first time I'd get in there and I'd be riding in there and I'd find myself almost a little bored, like going, wait a minute, this is easy. Like I came to work out. I came to grind. I came to win this race. And so I would take off out of the peloton and I would, I would get ahead of them and I would just, I would be feeling like the man, honestly, you know, I'd be like, sweet, you know, there they go. And a couple miles down the road, would you know that my legs were blowing up and to not only keep that pace, but to go much faster, like I thought I could, my legs would be blown up and I'd find myself way out there all alone with no help from the peloton. And a few moments later, the peloton would come passing by me. And there were times that I didn't even have strength to get back in the peloton and I would find myself in the wind, struggling, lonely, angry at myself, mad at my legs, wondering what is wrong as I'm only going, you know, barely 12 miles an hour, Jeff, down the road. It's, it's humiliating, it's awful, and it's terrible to get out there all by yourself. You know, here's what I know, that it's never wise to outpace the wisdom of God. We, we've got to stay at a pace so that we don't outpace the wisdom of God. And, and here's what I know in your notes. Sometimes we need wise counsel for difficulties. You know, there's a lot of types of difficulties. There are a lot of reasons why we need wise counsel. I'm just going to kind of mention a few of them. And I want to say something really profound here. Are you ready? Difficulties are difficult. 
They just are. And sometimes we face a difficulty and we think it shouldn't be that hard. I've done it before. You know, it should be no problem, you know. But difficulties are difficult and God never designed us to go through difficulties without the wonderful counselor. He never designed us to outpace his counsel because his counsel is perfect for the difficult moments of our life. And we all have difficult moments. You know, some, we have difficult battles with sin. Some have difficult decisions to make and difficult employers or customers to satisfy. Somebody say amen. Sometimes we have difficult situations with our family. Sometimes we have difficulty with our finances, but God has given us a wonderful counselor to navigate through every single one of these things. Here's a side note. We're not talking about finances today, but let me help you out with some wise counsel for your finances. As we enter this Christmas season, do yourself a massive favor and don't go into debt for any reason during the holidays. Why am I saying that? Because I have, and I have been there before, and I've dug myself out for six months or longer, all because, hey, let's do a little extra for Christmas. And so I just take take the lack of wisdom that I had from our early years and just begin to apply it to your life. Do yourself a favor. Don't go in debt for Christmas under no circumstances. He wants to give us wise counsel for our difficulties. And, and here's my question to you. As I'm mentioning some of these difficulties, is anything coming to mind? And and here would be a a real good question on the screen. What difficulty is the Holy Spirit bringing to mind right now in this moment for you? See, whenever he brings a difficulty to our mind, we should take note of it. We should write it down. See, this is one of those moments that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want to help you with that. How many think that's pretty awesome of him? And some of us think, man, God would never talk to me. He would never talk to me. You know, my, my mind is too far from him, right? I'm not really good at hearing him, but it's as easy as in a moment like this where he says, hey, you know that thing right there? Yeah, I want to help you with that. Let's look at Proverbs 15 and 22. The wisdom writer says this, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. How many know if you don't have this scripture memorized, this would be a really, really good scripture for you and I to memorize because we fail, scripture says, because of a lack of counsel. In other words, we're, we're leaving the counsel in the dust. We're passing, we're outpacing the counsel of God. And God is saying to you and I, I have equipped you for difficult situations. I have provided and made a way for counsel for you. And not just one source, but actually many advisors, many sources. And if you heed my counsel, guess what? You will succeed. I know that there are difficulties that I face in my life that I thought there's no way I'm gonna win this one. You know what I'm talking about? And in fact, God says, oh no, there is a way you can win that one. You can win it with my wisdom. You can win it with my wonderful counselor. Who are these advisors? Where should I expect these great sources of wisdom to come from? Well, here's a couple. Number one, the Bible, right? Hello. I mean, we should never leave the Bible in the dust, right? We should always pick it up. And in fact, we should never have to dust it off. It should always be be there in our heart. 
heart and to commit our time to it. And we see that we'll find scriptures like this as we read scripture, incredible wisdom for us. He gives us counsel through mentors, through coaches or counselors or through pastors or or parents, students, he gives counsel through parents. I know your parents don't know much and, and you know, they're not as smart as you and well, definitely they're not as brilliant as you because they didn't grow up on technology like you, but, but your parents happen to have some wisdom to offer you. But he also does it through friendships and he, he does it through accountability. And, and see, here's the thing, if we don't have any godly mentors in our life or counselors or pastors or coaches or godly friends and accountability partners. And we're, we're at a pace in life that has just gone way beyond the wisdom and the counsel of God. You know, in my younger years, I, I looked up to mentors. I, I loved having them, but I still like to do things my own way. Have you ever been there before? I mean, come on, just tell on yourself in a wave. I, at times, I love to do things my own way. I don't know if that was a wave mark or if that was like I'm just putting my hand over my, my wife's shoulder, but I'm going to take it as a wave so that I don't feel alone today. You know, this last Friday, I just turned 48 years old, and uh, I'm going to tell you something. It's crazy, man. I don't even know how it happens, but even at 48, man, I still think in my heart that I'm living in my 20s. Man, I, I love to, to wrestle and roughhouse with people. I mean, even men my own age, I got a couple friends that are going to be here in the next service, man. We, we throw down together, man. It, I, it's crazy. And I, I never saw my dad do things like that at 48. I, sometimes I wonder what's wrong with me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just a kid at heart, you know? I, I, I love to roll the windows down in my car and crank up my music as I'm driving down the road. I love when it snows and it's icy outside to grab my e-brake and take a little slide around the corner. My wife and Ellie don't like it. But I love to do it. Students, don't do that. It's, that's bad to do. It's a bad example. That's, that's not wise. And there's just, there's things that, that as a kid that I did that I still love to do today. And I, I love to build ramps and, and find ramps and take my bike off of ramps. And sometimes I crash just like I did when I was a little kid. It just takes a little longer to recover today. But, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. The older I get, the more I learn to cherish the wisdom of our wonderful counselor. You know, I don't do difficulty alone anymore. I don't struggle with it alone anymore. I almost always seek the wisdom of God from my trusted, godly advisors and from my friends. I have regular conversations with mentors. I see a counselor regularly to engage and make sure I'm emotionally healthy. I connect with friends on a regular basis and we hold each other accountable. Why? Because that is the pace of God. That is where we find the wisdom of God. And if you find yourself lacking wisdom and, and constantly in difficult situations that you don't know how to get out of, it might be because you're outpacing the Lord. I want you to know this, that the way out of every difficult situation in your life is through the wonderful counselor. Did you know that you are probably just one nugget of wisdom away from overcoming your difficult situation? Did you realize that? Just one little nugget away from overcoming that thing that you thought you would never overcome. You know, over the years, I've learned that I don't do well with just wisdom, a little nugget of wisdom alone. In fact, I actually need a 
action and accountability plan when I get that wisdom. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, a lot of us have all the information we need to be successful for our life. The challenge is, is that we don't take action on it and we don't make ourselves accountable. I love what Hebrews 10 uh, says. It says this, the writer says something really cool, 1024. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Listen, God wants us to have ourselves surrounded by people that will spur us on and encourage us towards good deeds. I promise you that the wisdom found in these circles of people will help you overcome your difficult situation. Situation. Excuse me. Here's something that's important for all of us to ask ourselves. When we receive wisdom, we should always ask ourselves and ask it publicly, ask it to our accountability partners, share it, like engage, think through it. It's this What do I plan on doing with this counsel that I have received? What do I plan on doing with it? When am I going to do it? Because I, I love people like, man, I want to do this. I want to lose weight this year. I want to get healthy this year. I want to pray more this year. Okay, those are all great, great things. And I love you and you love me. And, 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 and we're, but, but we're going to do, you, you want to put a plan together? Oh, well, I mean, I, I've just been thinking about it. And I'm just going to pray a little more about it. Okay, bye. You know, but what I love that friends do is, okay, when are you going to do that, Sean? Okay. Well, probably like this year. Okay, but how many times a week? Okay, how many times a day? Okay, so, oh, we're going there. Yeah, we're going there. We're going to do it this many times a day. And, and then when are we going to talk about how you're doing about it? Okay, I'm going to call you every week and I'm going to be accountable with you and you're going to be accountable with me and we're going to, we're going to share our successes. We're going to share our failures because how many you know we're not going to be perfect at this thing, but we're going to be accountable to the wisdom that God has given us. We're talking about wisdom and we're talking about the wonderful counselor. God gives us wonderful counsel for difficult times. And in your notes, he gives us wise counsel for grief. You know, grief comes in many, many, many different forms. It's not just through the loss of a loved one. However, that is one of the ways that grief comes. Grief essentially comes in all forms by the loss of relationship. It could be complete loss through death, but it can be through the, the loss of a friendship or the struggle in a friendship, the loss of the closeness. It can be from the loss of a job or the fact that you're, you're uh, moving out of your state or out of your country and you're losing the community of people that you did life with. It could be through the loss of a career or just simply moving into a brand new season, the loss of the kids in the home and, and they're off at college and, and now you're just, you're stuck with him. You know, the guy that wouldn't go to counseling with you. It's like, it's just the two of you. You know what I mean? And he's still sending you to the counselor to be like, you're beautiful, you're lovely, and I believe in you. Like, it's a hard life for some people. I'm kidding. But here's my, my question for you. As, as we talk about difficult things, and we talk about the wonderful counselor, and just and struggling through a variety of things, is there anything that you're grieving today? Is there a loss of relationship in any way that you're just going, God, this is hard. Like, and God's saying, hey, I, I want to bring you some wonderful counselor for, for the grief in your life. And I want you to ask this question, um, what are you grieving about today? Maybe just think about it. Just take mental note of it. And, and again, this is one of those moments that the Holy Spirit might be talking to you. You might be grieving a, a difficult relationship with a parent or a sibling or a friend or a child or your employer. Things are difficult. You might be diffi- 
grieving the loss of a loved one. You know, some years ago, my wife and I um, went through something very difficult. Krista was nearly six months pregnant, and we were at the, you know, just a regular checkup with the doctor, and, you know, we were all excited, and we kind of had some nerves because we had gone through a miscarriage before, and and I remember, um, you know, they did all the, the goop on the belly, and they grabbed the sonogram tool, and they're just like, thing all over the place and we're waiting for that that little sound of the heartbeat and it's just it felt like forever and I'm like oh not again and it, it's funny it's like writing this like there's no tears but I know if I bring myself to that moment and I can almost just feel that sinking feeling in the heart and grief is deep and and the Lord taught taught me some things during that time and you know, the first thing he taught me was just to acknowledge it. You know, acknowledge the grief. Acknowledge the loss of relationship or, or whatever the thing that you're going through. That you just acknowledge it. Speak it out. Stop saying, oh, I don't care. It, it's not that big of a, I don't care about those guys. You know, they don't mean anything. Okay, the fact that you're saying all that just means that, yes, they mean something to you. And you wish things were different. And, and that is a sign that there's grief in a heart. And so just acknowledge it. Write it down. Just say it. God, I hate that things are this way in my relationship with whomever the person is or with my employer. God, I hate that, that you took grandma or grandpa or that they went home to be with you. Like whatever is in your heart, just acknowledge it. Write it down. And, 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 and I know we don't do grief and emotions very well. And we don't really give ourselves time to do that. But it's so important that we do. In fact, um, in the Bible, there's an entire book called Lamentations. It's, it's full of laments and sorrow and grief. It's important for us as humans to grieve. In fact, we see Jesus also being an example in the garden. Is He's getting ready to, to suffer what felt like for him a, a separate relationship with the Father as all of the sin of humanity began to weigh down on him. And, and in fact, he felt like the Father had forsaken him, although the Father had not, but he felt actual grief of loss of relationship as the sin of humanity came on him, the same way that, that sin came on humanity and they, they, the relationship was severed between you and the Father. Jesus felt that and he grieved and he cried and he, he cried out to God. You know, Grieving is not a weakness, and crying is not a weakness. In fact, grieving is a strength. Did you know that grieving is the pathway to healing? Cry, it gets the difficult emotions out of us. I think, it's, I think tears are the way that the body on a physical level processes emotion, and it's okay to do that. And, and, I, and here's another thing I learned. Not only do I acknowledge my grief, but I accept it. I, I have to realize, okay, God, this is now this is a part of my story. As much as I want to forget it, it's just a part of my story. And right now, what feels like an incredible weakness is going to one day be a strength. You know, and in his kindness, he taught me some things during that time. And, and, and although as difficult it was, and truthfully, there was times in that grieving where when it happened, I didn't even want to talk to God. It wasn't that I was mad at him. I was just like, I have nothing to say to you. I... I didn't even have the strength to get up and want to read my Bible. And I, and, and I, and I, and I didn't want to worship. And I felt like a horrible Christian. And God took me to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And, and, it, and it says this. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And God showed me, Sean, it's okay to be weak. 
it's okay to not have a song. My people will come and they'll take care of you. My people will feed you. They'll bring you meals. When you have no strength to pray, my people will pray for you. In fact, my son is interceding for you right now at the right hand of the Father 24-7. When you have no prayer, that's okay. My people will cry with you. You know, and we all process grief in different ways, but I think it's important to know this, that when we grieve, Psalms 34, 18, it says this. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I love that part that says he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know what that means to me? Save, the word save means to deliver. It means to free us from the soul-crushing grief that we experience at times, the soul-crushing difficulties that we experience. And, and God is saying today, hey, I want you to make room during this season. I want you to make room in these spaces of your life for the wonderful counselor. Don't outpace him today. And I have a, a question for you today. I'm gonna invite you, to buy, invite, invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. You know, maybe you're somebody who you've been outpacing God your whole life and you have not been making room for him. And God is saying to you today, would you, would you, would you come? Would you, would you come into my family? I, I, I have wonderful counsel to give to you. All the difficult situations, all the struggling and strife and, and the grief in your life. I've never, ever wanted you to do any of these things alone. In fact, I've made a, a way for you. I've provided a savior for you. And today, if you've not made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, and you would like to do it today, the Bible says in Ephesians, it's by his grace that we're saved. Here's what scripture's saying, that there's nothing we can do or ever have done to deserve salvation. It is just simply a grace gift. It's truly a free gift. And, and all we have to do as God awakens our heart and shows us the great Savior is that we put our faith in him for our salvation. We, we trust him as the answer. We trust him as the wonderful counselor. And we start looking him as the ruler and the authority and the king of our life. If you're in the room today and you've never made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior and you would like to do that, I'm just gonna invite you to slip your hand up all over the room and say, Sean, would you pray for me? I wanna invite Jesus into my heart as my king and my Lord and my Savior. Anybody in the room? Here's the next thing I would like to do. Thank you up here in the front. I wanna invite everyone to stand on their feet today. Stand on their feet today. He's our wonderful counselor. I just want to close this service out in worship. I just want to give you a little example of what you can do to make room in your life, to just pause in your day. It could be in the car. It could, it could be in silence. It could be with a worship song. And I would just like to just lift Jesus up and just begin to consider how wonderful he is. And I also want us to just consider the fact that that God has given us all the wisdom we need for every difficult situation in our life. And if we are not in accountability with somebody to share our plan and to be accountable to apply the wisdom that we have, that we would put ourselves in accountability. And if you're one of those people today, I would like to invite you as we worship during the song to just think about who that person is and, and perhaps even pull your phone out while we're worshiping and just say, Hey friend, 
it's me. Do you have time to connect this week? Just do it now. Just like, just make it happen. Just put, put some action to it immediately. Let's just close your eyes and worship the Lord as we close out the service and consider what a wonderful counselor he is.